0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are looking at the digital revolution that is changing every facet of our world from a number of different perspectives, and particularly the uh, extraordinary impact it's had on all facets of our lives over the last seven unforgettable, although we wish we could forget them, months. Our guest today is one of our monthly digital all-stars, Charles Araujo. Uh, Charles is a speaker, a consultant, an analyst, an author. And he's been doing some fascinating research into some new areas that help illuminate the specialty that Charles speaks about when he's on with us, and that is uh, Arajo on transformation. So, the transformation of businesses, thinking, business models, technology, and so forth, like that. Uh, Charlie, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's always a pleasure to see you.
1: And it's always great to be with you, Bob. <laughs>
0: So, Charlie, it sounds like uh, you and your team have uh, cracked open some fascinating research. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and and where you think this is going to uh, set some new things in motion.
1: So we're just starting this, actually. it's uh, So this is research being conducted by the Institute for Digital Transformation that I founded uh, a decade ago now. And uh, we've done little dabbles here and there in the past but have decided that this is an area just broadly that is in desperate need of this which which probably sounds somewhat ironic because there's so much hype and buzz and talk about digital transformation out there and you know I get bombed with reports because I also sort of wear my journalistic hat and you know, but what what we see is that so many people are talking about it in these like huge broad sweeps and so what we're trying to do is we're focused on, specifically this idea that I've been working on now for a better part of a year and a half or so called the digital experience supply chain, But this, which I know we've talked about on the show Mm -hmm. before, this idea that the, the nature of value is shifting to the customer and that it's really the customer experience that drives it and that all that underpins that, which is really this continuous data transformation, business transformation that begets operational transformation that begets transformation of work and management models. And so this research is going to be an entire series of reports that basically takes some element of that and break it down in the context of some element of the technology sector and how the technology sector is supporting or maybe hindering that. And so this first one, as you mentioned, is is really dealing with the impact of conversational AI and its most um, relevant form that's out on the market, which is intelligence, virtual agents, and their impact on the totality of the customer experience and actually, interestingly enough, the future of work. And so that's what we're, we're, just beginning this this part of the research. In fact, I'll make a couple of shameless plugs for uh, people to participate as we get into this, but uh, that's kind of what we're all about.
0: You know, Charlie, uh, I I think that, uh, as you've said, there's lots of different research and studies and findings and statistics and corresponding theories that come out of this, and I, I think that so many of them miss because they're looking at one little narrow slice, and I guess, you know, that's okay, but I believe sometimes this research goes on where the, the folks doing it assume that everything else is going to remain in a steady state. This slice will change and this other won't. And But that's why I think that what's been so compelling in some of uh, the things that you've related in previous shows here is just what you said there before, because I, I don't think I've heard anybody else talking about this in these terms, the digital experience supply chain because that forces people to think about this, as you've described in a bit of an end-to-end basis. And I just wanted to say, I, I, uh, I did a piece this morning, I was talking about Oracle's approach to the customer experience category. And the head of their customer experience team uh, on one of his slides, he showed, you know it cuts across these different functions in the organization, but their basic premise is, this will empower the first person to get to the customer. Uh, that is such an interesting way to look at it. And I think it reinforces your notion here of this supply chain. It's not the salesperson or just the service, it's the totality and how companies reconstitute themselves to fit to that. So I'm sorry for the long spiel, but I, I heck, I'd like to participate in your research, if I may. It sounds great.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and that's exactly it. I, and my frustration with a lot of the research that's out there is. Either it's sort of the traditional analyst type research where they're simply trying to take all the vendors and stick them into some kind of a categorization and then compare them. Or there's the research that basically looks at the enterprise and says, you know, what are you doing with this and what do you think? It's really just the opinion surveys, right? Mm-hmm. And what we're really trying to do is look at the intersection between the two. So, yes, we want to understand what the enterprise is doing. And, and are they are they buying into this idea, whether they call it this or not, of the digital experience supply chain? Are they seeing themselves in a state of continuous transformation? Are they trying to build these business capabilities? But then we also understand, because the reality is, this doesn't, to your point, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. How are they finding the technology vendors in the sectors? How are they finding that they're helping this or hindering this? Is it is are they moving down the road? And so we actually picked this first one, this first topic specific around conversational AI, because what was interesting in the pandemic is how this just lasered in, right, this became this, this hyper focus area focus, because now suddenly, everything was changing, we had to find ways to adapt and so the, you know, contact centers became sort of ground zero in a lot of ways for a lot of these interactions and where was the role of AI? How How is the AI playing a role in this and, and was it helping or hindering? And so we're just, like I said, we're just getting down the road. In fact, I'm gonna do my my first shameless plug here. Um, as part of this, we're we doing basically qualitative interviews with um, a, a bunch of folks, but one of which is um, thought leaders, but also enterprise executives that are doing this. So if you're an enterprise executive and you have been leveraging conversational AI in some way to support the customer experience and you have, you know, either great stories and we can give you credit or horror stories and we won't name you, (laughs) you know, we'd like to talk to you. We'd like to understand sort of how you're applying this and then specifically how some of these different technologies are, you know, impacting it. So uh, we're very excited as we're, we're kind of diving into this.
0: Charlie. So for somebody who wants to do that, wants to share a story good or bad with you, how can they, how can they do that?
1: Uh, you can certainly go to my website charlesarajo.com and use the contact button, or just email me at. I, I please, I'm not going to get bombed with spam, but it's charles at charlesarajo.com, and just drop me an email and uh, let us know.
0: Excellent, excellent. You know, um, Charlie, I think one of the things too that you've spoken about quite eloquently before is we, uh, and and it's understandable. These sort of changes are hard if you had a couple, two, three years to become accustomed to them. But in this strangest of all years, 2020, people have had weeks or months to get accustomed to this. And you've talked a lot about this, this close proximity, this adjacency of the technology and people coming closer than ever before. So how do you think, as you look at enterprises on the one side and providers on the other, how aware are they of this, Of you know, th- this isn't just, you know, giving somebody a, a, a better toothpaste, this is going to really impact the worker on the one side and the customer prospect on the other.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fa- part of the reason that I'm so interested in this is it is such a fascinating intersection of that. Um, so one of the things we're doing as part of this is we start with secondary research, and and so some of that's commercial, but a lot of it is scholarly, like academic research on these subjects. And conversational AI is. of the more interesting ones because it's been a subject of study academically for decades now i mean this has been one of the holy grails you know going all the way back to you know the uh, oh my gosh i just forgot the name of the test but anyway you know um the turing test thank you uh you know from from the very beginnings and to have watched this evolve and i agree i think people are only enterprises right now are only beginning to grapple with the impact across the spectrum so Certainly from a customer perspective, one of the I think one of the pieces of research I shared with you talks about the 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 theory. It's uh, oh shoot. I don't have the name of it up here right now, but it's um, there's a, an academic theory here that basically says how we as humans respond. And even though we understand that a computer is not real, if it if it comes across and projects human like qualities to us, we respond to it that way emotionally. Mm-hmm. We can't help ourselves. It's automatic. And so what we're seeing is this historically, things like chatbots and the, the historical approach of this, well, they, they sucked at it. They didn't create that emotional response. Technology today now does, right? When I sit on some of these briefings with technology companies that are demoing some of this new technology, it's staggering. It is, it is mind-blowing, um and and it is still seeing we're in the very early stages of adoption within most organizations because as you pointed out there's a lot of challenges infrastructurally and or culturally to make this transition but I think the impact that it's going to have is we see these and and by the way it's also several companies are bringing not just you know via phone or via voice but actual video avatar representations right and there's that we're seeing this starting to play out in things like Second Life, which is sort of seen as Second Life, right? This whole digital avatar world where we're seeing all these different points that I think it's not gonna be just voice, it's gonna be visual as well. And as all that starts to come, it's it's creating this very significant transition in how the customer, um, not only in the experience itself, but in how they respond and react. And then to your point, that in turn has a dramatic impact on how people see their jobs and their roles and what that can mean. And so as a leader, you need to be addressing that. Now, it's not all gloom and doom. In fact, it's far from that. But there's no question that it can easily kick off this sense of fear, right? It's it's easy to say, I'm not afraid of a chat bot. That thing is stupid, right? It just gives you the same thing. And when you see some of this new technology with these avatars that look and sound like a human and you're going, oh, maybe this is changing things, Right, so it it is a really fascinating dynamic.
0: Well, I know, uh, Charlie, whatever it's called, like sometimes if you're uh, logging into a system, a security check, they have that little uh, tic-tac-toe board of images, which ones have traffic lights. And it's says, because the, the thing there at the end, they want you to click and say, I'm not a robot. Well, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not sure that we're going to need a little more rigorous test, I think, going forward <laughs> than some of those things. And just, you know, you talked about Charlie, I think it's wild, that yeah, a lot of this stuff is brand new. And on the other hand, it's been around the, the concept and the early efforts have been around for decades. I just around, uh, just after the civil war, when I was in college, we had Uh, this, this one class I had, I remember talking to, I believe it was Joseph Weizenbaum from MIT who had the experiments with Eliza. And people were saying, oh my God, they're going to be the next psychologist because, you know, the computer and that voice that would go like this, you know, said, how are you, Charlie? And we just thought that was astonishing. And then in the last you know, several months or year or so, you see these companies that are really putting a huge amount of time in effort into refining how quickly does the chatbot answer? Because if it answers too quickly, the person has say, "Hey, wait a minute, no person could think. Who am I? What's on the other end of this line? So what you're digging into here, I think is going to expose some uh, remarkable ideas and and possibilities for where this is headed
1: well, I so two two points on that. The first is is that it's actually a fine line with some of the technology. And I, I don't often name companies, but I'm going to name this one just because it's so interesting in terms of what they're doing. It's a company called Unique, U-N-E-E-Q. And they're going all in on this sort of virtual worker, but but much more than like the RPA space, right? This this avatar. And they can actually take a living human and replicate their look and feel so they can create a virtual Bob Evans and then try to capture all the information to then project so that, so I can have a virtual Bob Evans who has some semblance of the knowledge that Bob Evans has then and, and go do some element of this job, kind of an idea. What's interesting about it is that the, the fine line that organizations like that and many others as we keep going down this road are going to have to grapple with is as humans, we like that experience we instinctively like i said we, we we instinctively respond positively to that but we don't want to be fooled when i was i was sitting at some stuff it's like if i don't know that this is real or not that's actually kind of scary right that's and so the, the i called the you know avoiding the creepy factor so i think um certainly the tech companies but more importantly it's the enterprises that are applying this technology they're going to have to be very careful how they leverage this and and strike this balance between oh, one avoiding the creepy factor. And then the other uh, uh, the extreme is avoiding just the novelty factor, where it's oh, it's really cool for about four seconds, but it doesn't actually discernibly transform the customer experience in a positive, beneficial, meaningful way. And then that's also not going to help you. So I think you know, there's there's a, a tremendous amount of opportunity, but it's also rife with danger if you don't navigate these, these narrows effectively. The, the last piece of it, though, going back to your point about workers. I think where this is really interesting dynamic of how workers are going to have to learn to interact with this technology as well. So there's an example. I don't know if this is Unix or some other companies now that I've talked to recently, but um, they're using it as a greeter. Right. So you walk in and you meet this digital avatar with a humanoid kind of thing on a screen and you ask it at a store, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And it says, oh, well, go to this floor, this aisle or, you know, whatever. And then they give you, I think it's a QR code that you scan on your phone and it allows you to basically take this digital assistant with you on your phone. Right. And now you're going, well, at some point I I can imagine that oh, well, I, I've, I've reached the limits of whatever and I want to actually talk with someone. I want to find a dressing room maybe or whatever. And I'm going to need the ability to hand that off and that, that, that employee on the other end of that is going to have to be able to do that with a degree of gracefulness so it doesn't sort of pierce the bubble of this experience, right? And so that's a cultural transformation of how I work that it's not just that dumb computer. It's now part of this experiential supply chain. So I think, I mean, the the ramifications as we carry this forward over the next few years are going to be just amazing.
0: Yeah. And uh, Charlie, I hope you'll mention a couple of those in just a second here, but I wanted to take a moment here for a word from BMC, our sponsor. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A Game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A Game. Um, Charlie, so you know, we should
1: actually give uh, your advertiser a little bit of love on this because this absolutely. is a great example with what you know. So BMC is talking about the the uh, autonomous digital enterprise, and certainly they also have some of this conversational AI built into their platform. And this is a good example. That it's not just companies that are building these independent virtual agents. We're seeing this become a, a core element of platforms across the spectrum. And that actually introduces another challenge of how you now integrate all of these together and, and create a cohesive experience. But it, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna see continue to see this evolve and become more and more ubiquitous.
0: It- Charlie uh, yeah that ubiquity is going to be there, but in sort of what context, because I want to go back to what you said a few minutes ago about piercing the bubble. Um, I whatever it was 15, 20 years ago something like that, but I was invited to attend an event, it was at it happened to be at the St Regis, for whatever reason I got put on the floor at the St Regis that had a Butler so. I get to my floor, I just get in my room, there's a knock at the door, there's a butler there, a guy dressed up in a real nice tuxedo or outfit. And he introduced himself and said, Okay, that's great. And he said, Can I come in and, you know, put your clothes away? And I said, No, that's really not. He said, Well, you know, it's anyhow, it was, I don't mean it's uncomfortable, it was just odd. I I never had a butler before. And all of a sudden, this guy, in a very nice way, he stood up in my face. And it became uncomfortable for me, because what I really wanted to tell him to do is get lost. I've done this several hundred times, I could do it myself, go talk to somebody who wants a butler. And with this on Russia technology, and I chat bots, let me help you here. And I can take the QR code or and with it, the bot floor to floor, but I go in the dressing room, or I'm just tired of having this thing, tell me and ask me questions. So I think it's Again, your digital experience supply chain has to really take very closely into account the feelings that everybody's gonna be different. And it's almost like you wanna set a meter. I want high touch bot, I want low touch or Let me be in control of this because if it gets into what you call the creepy factor, we're well, done.
1: so two two things. First of all, you should be very glad then you weren't born into the royal family because apparently <laughs> you would have not done well in that having butler Yes, I will um, agree. No, I'm
0: glad I was not born in the royal family. <laughs>
1: so I think I think it's exactly what, in fact, this is, I think, going to be one of those turning points or or points of divergence of who who gets us and who doesn't. There are going to be some that want to take this type of technology and apply it with this idea that All they're doing is replicating a current contact center, which is effectively that what you just described. Very little uniqueness. It's not about, you know, customized to it's like you call and they're gonna, they're they're programmed to do the exact same thing every time. And you know, because the great power of this technology is exactly that level of personalization. And hopefully I don't need a dial. Hopefully it becomes, it gives everyone the ability to become the Ritz Carlton, right? Where Mm -hmm. where they, when I walk in the store, it knows exactly the level of interaction that I want. It's automated; that it just shows up, and it it is it is high touch, low touch to the degree that it has learned from its interactions with me that I want, and and so, but but that takes. So this is where it becomes interesting. So Brian Solis, a good friend of mine, one of the articles I I sent you was yep. from Forbes. Um, and he talks about this, right? This is it, the the one of the reasons I'm so excited about what conversation AI brings to the table. Is it allows us to start blending these experiences together into true omni-channel type experiences. And this I omnichannel is mostly thought about in, in a retail setting, but that it's not. It's across the board in every single interaction that it allows that to be stitched together. And that is such one of the one of the such critical elements that this type of technology can help us do because it sort of allows it to always be with us and um, be omnipresent. So if it's omnipresent, it means I can create omni-channel experiences using it as that sort of foundation. But it, that takes that leap of imagination for enterprises to sort of break free of, of the historical way we've seen these dynamics and these transactions to say what if i could assign one dedicated employee to every single one of my customers how might that change the way i interact with them hmm. and and start using that as a basis for design redesigning your processes your systems but because it, it's not just and this is the big bugaboo conversational ai by itself isn't enough to fix all of this because it has to connect to all these other systems and interact with all these other processes. So you can't just go buy this, plug it in, and hope that it's gonna magically transform everything. It has to be part of a much more cohesive approach.
0: Yeah. Uh, Charlie, as you were talking about the omni-channel uh, really extending very broadly and rapidly beyond sort of the, the the world of retail where I think we've all become familiar with it. <clears throat> I, as, uh four or five years ago, I. I had made a few trips to Hong Kong in the first trip, uh, when I showed up at the hotel or the office wherever I showed up, but I had my suitcase with me and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. And they went and they said, Well, why didn't you just have it delivered to your hotel? And I said, Well, you know, how the heck would I do that? Well, there was a kiosk and you just go here and everybody, and you know, culturally or just intellectually, it didn't make any sense because I'm thinking. I I take my life in my hands a little bit with this certain airline to get on the plane, get me to Hong Kong. If if they think that I'm going to trust them to get my bag to the hotel, that is not happening uh, yet. In other places and other carriers had sort of perfected this, and people felt as good or better than you know. But hey, here's a different thing we can do. So as businesses want to move into different categories, different levels of service. Uh, amplifying and optimizing that digital experience that you've described, right? This factor of trust, right? I I would love to hear your thoughts on this because whoever this suitcase delivery outfit was, I had no reason to trust them. And for related reasons, maybe not fair reasons, but related ones, I had a lot of reasons not to trust them. So what do you think about that, Charlie, especially these days when, you know, everybody's a little antsy about things
1: so I, I probably shouldn't admit this because i'm supposed to be the smart analyst guy but I, when we started this um I, you know my partner in crime dr frank granito is is sort of leads our effort on all the secondary research and he's much more scholarly than i am and so he pulled all these academic reports and and, um, and research and, and we were reviewing it all and clearly this the idea of security and trust and privacy rose right up to the top of the list of one of the primary concerns and I have to admit I it, it just never really occurred to me that is I'm you know I have these experiential blinders on uh, but you're absolutely right it's a massive massive issue um because a lot of that creepy factor that I talk about experientially actually relates to this idea of lack of permission right mm-hmm. of that that you know stuff about me and I didn't give you permission to know this about me right that you are you know in, intuiting based on these actions and you're uncovering stuff that I didn't even maybe realize myself or hadn't articulated in my own mind. And and so it's this, you know, I think that one of the challenges with this technology and and look at, I think in the end, us humans, we're gonna love it, right? And the, the net benefit of it is gonna be, you know, amazing for us, but there's this transitionary period. And so the earlier you are into this, the greater the risks, but also the greater rewards. But I think navigating that and transparency is going to be all powerful here, of exposing what is happening, what you're doing, what you're collecting, giving people control over it. And it's a and it's it's tough. It's extremely. You know, I'm putting my business hat on, grappling with all the GDPR compliance stuff, and it's oh my gosh, it is so difficult because we're collecting so much information so rapidly, trying to sort through that. Um, you know, and most of us are doing it for the right reasons. We're trying to create a better experience for our customers, for our partners, for our employees, but navigating that trust is all important. And, and I think this will probably change, but right now you get one shot, meaning if you mess it up badly where you betray that trust, you're sunk. So it is, that's why this, that's why this area um, is so interesting and exciting for us, because on the one hand, it's been developing for a long time. The technology is now extremely developed and on the other hand we're in the wild wild west in terms of people actually applying this in meaningful ways and navigating this landscape and you know how this is going to play out so we're we're really fascinated to see you know where this comes and and to that effect I'll give you my my, my second plug is if you're a technology company that has conversational AI we're going to be, we're doing a whole bunch of conversations and interviews around that. We want to understand what you're doing, how your customers are using it, where you sort of see yourself fitting into all of this. And so I'd love for you to reach out to us as well, because, uh, and so hopefully next time I'm back on the show with you, I'll be talking about at least what of our what our preliminary analysis is showing as far as how this is all shaking out.
0: All right. And uh, Charlie, acknowledging that you don't have uh, results to lean on here, but I just want to ask you in closing, what would be, you know, two or three pieces of advice that you mentioned a minute ago about, you know, a lot of companies going into sort of the wild west on this, what would be, you know, Charlie's two or three points to survival guide in the early days in this wild west? Uh,
1: so the way I like to always answer these questions is, you know, I, 20 years ago, I, I ran IT operations, I, I, I sat in that seat. And so if I was in that position, Dave, I was a CIO today running an IT organization I would A, be going down this road as fast as I possibly could. Conversational AI, I think is a game changer because of the power of the customer experience and the unique connection point between sort of the humanity that ironically we are all seeking now as, as everything becomes more digital, we, we want that. And, and so we want even our technology to feel and act more human. And the the new conversational AI technology and the intelligent agents that are sort of evolving out of this um, are rapidly bringing that to the tape to the plate here, right? That we can actually do something with this in a meaningful way. So I would be I'd be going down this road as fast as I possibly could. At the same time, I'd be putting on massive guardrails to protect, to your point, the trust, the privacy. That I am being as transparent as I possibly can. That I'm. You know giving people the, the key to omni channel is choice it's not about forcing anyone into a specific interaction right it's about giving people options and if they're not ready for this don't push them there right and so so i would be looking at sort of these two extremes of of as fast as you can but really big guardrails to kind of keep yourself you know on the right side of this um but experiment 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 and and you know we didn't talk about this entirely right but This goes all the way from the very first interactions, like that store greeter example, or like the first time someone ends up on a website, through every facet of customer support. I think many places are not really thinking of it in terms of how can I leverage this technology to continually delight my customers in unexpected ways after the sale and when something isn't wrong, right? I haven't seen a lot of people doing that yet, and I think that's going to be a huge opportunity. So how you look across the entire supply chain, and then don't forget the impact it's going to have on your employees and the workers. And you need to be preparing the ground now for that transformation to come as they learn to adjust to this sort of new way of work as this all takes root.
0: Well, Charlie, uh, great stuff. What an exciting field. And, uh, it it is, as you say, a technology, a set of solutions and capabilities, that's going to touch almost every business. On that side, and you know, uh, at least several hundred million, and possibly billions of us on, you know, the customer side. So, uh, I hope you're having fun with that because it sounds like that is really going to be a game changer.
1: Absolutely, definitely. Thank you.
0: Well, Charlie, thank you as always for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live, and folks, thanks to all of you for being back here with us, and we look forward to seeing you soon again here at Cloud Wars Live.